Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday, happy day before uh, our roll call event starts on Friday. Uh, man, we're just chugging through the week. I hope you're enjoying it. We have an awesome, fantastic show planned for you today. One topic, one guest, and me. It's going to be incredible. I'll, I'll give me a second. I want to take care of uh, one of our primary uh, sponsors and supporters of the show and an organization, a group, a supplement that I've been using to help me boost my testosterone. For those of you uh, that are aging like me and you don't feel like your old self and it's harder to stay in shape, Nugenics Total Tea is offering a complimentary bottle when you text 231231 and enter the keyword fearless. You guys know about getting older and what an adjustment it is to stay healthy. It's much easier, it's much harder to, you know, to keep fit and looking as good as me, but if you take Nugenics <laughs> and boost your testosterone, <laughs> you can look like the new version of Jason Whitlock who's shedding all of this excess fat and starting to look a little bit like uh, the man I used to be. That's what Nugenics Total Tea and its testosterone boosting ability can do to you. It can return that alpha hormone to you. It happens to every man, so don't worry. You, you're going to lose testosterone. However, what if I told you you can counter the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total Tea, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials. All you have to do to get a free bottle of this stuff, a free bottle, text 231-231, use the fearless, text fearless to 231231, do it right now and get a free bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text FEARLESS to 231231. That's FEARLESS 231231. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. All right, we have a special guest, David Tyree. You guys know David Tyree from uh, the 2008 Super Bowl, one of the greatest upsets in Super Bowl history. The undefeated Patriots lost to the New York Giants. David Tyree made the helmet catch. Uh, David, <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. 
appreciate you joining us. We're not going to talk a lot about football today. Uh, David, Mm -hmm. I think, connected with me over Instagram uh, several months ago. Uh, Sure. and, and, And then David reacted to something recently that I put out about uh, LeBron James, and we're going to have a conversation about that. So, David, I just wanted to welcome you to the show. I I need you to sit tight for a moment while I set up our conversation, but I really appreciate you being here. Uh, And and just if you want to say something to to me or the audience just before I start setting up this conversation, I'm looking for it. Because, one, I want to know, you've reached out to me, and I haven't followed up all that well, but I'm assuming you're a believer, you're a Christian. Oh yeah, born again, 18 years. Um, I just love the platform. I reached out, I've followed you through the years. I've known that you've always been framed as a little bit of an antagonist, but I've always seen through the truth, you know, and some and some elements. Um, so this, this platform was just timely, necessary. Um, I've always been this guy behind the scenes. And I, you know, I think as athletes, um, we try to temper, you know, the, I think the social media internet landscape has changed things and, and, and allowing people to be their authentic self, which is why these platforms are needed, necessary, because you can find your own tribe today, whereas where I was probably a frontline guy 10 years ago, um, you could get crushed and canceled. So I've been on the, I've been on the front end of that. And I'm just I'm excited that there's more warriors on the front line to use their voices and platforms to elevate truth. All right, well, let me set this conversation up, and hopefully this won't be your last visit here on the Fearless Platform. We appreciate you uh, joining us, but let me set it up what David is upset about with me, and as you said, he's a supporter of the platform, but he's upset with me about the commentary that we posted on LeBron James. It's a very short video. Uh, Let's play the video. Uh, Because no matter how, no matter how much money you got, no matter how famous you are, no matter how many people admire you, at the end of the day, being a black man in America is, uh, is very frightening and it lets us know that we got so much farther, so much further to go to be equal in this, in this country. LeBron James is not smart. He's a basketball player. He's reveling in pretending to be a victim. He hasn't been a victim at any point in his lifetime. But LeBron, like a lot of black people think, that you can't be black unless you're a victim. And so he likes to play the role of victim and talk about, oh, how hard it is in America for LeBron James and for black folks. Give me a break. So David reached out to me over Instagram and complained about that video. But before I get to David's complaint, another NFL player who I'm not going to name, a longtime NFL player, I think played a dozen years in the NFL, earned 50, 60 million dollars in the NFL, is in his team's Hall of Fame. He's not real, real well-known, but successful NFL pass rusher. He reached out to me over Instagram as well, complaining about this video. And so I want to read uh, what he said to me, this nameless NFL player, quite different from David's complaint, but it it speaks to an issue I want to go into some depth with. Uh, 
Uh, so here's the unnamed NFL player. You know what LeBron is talking about on a level of being wealthy, a wealthy black man, or you probably don't because you're not wealthy as him. You talk in the tongue of a jealous, wanting attention and willing to bring down your own people to rise. You will never be accepted by them. I'm a wealthy black man living in New Jersey with no reason in the world to lie to you. We have to move in silence. A wealthy black man who is having success in America will deal with more racism than the average person. That's what this young man who's similar in age, I'm sure David knows him. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell him who it is, but I'm sure David knows him. He's New Jersey area, and I think David grew up in the New Jersey area. So I wrote him back saying, I appreciate the note, congrats on your football success. I was just a mediocre mid-major player. I found success in another field, journalism. I know what success looks like and feels like in my chosen profession. I know the obstacles faced by people who challenge the establishment in a real way. Athletes pose no threat to the establishment. They're lavish with money and privilege for the physical gifts, and they're often fooled into believing they've acquired some special level of worldly insight because of the money they've earned playing a game. They brag about their financial wealth and assume others are impressed by it. I'm not. I know the limitations of financial wealth because I have it and I study the Bible. I'm not jealous of you or LeBron. I don't have animus towards you, LeBron or any athlete. I just prefer you recognize that physical and financial gifts pale in comparison to biblical wisdom. Brother, I respect you reaching out and engaging. I close saying this respectfully. You simply do not know what you do not know, and your physical gifts have provided you so much privilege, you're likely uninterested in discovering what you don't know. He responded back, <laughs> just know I have full respect for you. Coming from, I'm not gonna say the state because I don't want anybody uh, putting together clues to put this all together, but coming from such and such state, that was a very racist place, although it's probably on screen. That was a very racist place and worked for everything I had. I seen my mother go through having nothing to working for everything we have. I know that as blacks, we almost have every privilege as whites. I'm not victim nor my parents because we took things into our own hands like every black should because the system is not on our side. We still going to have to have our guard up every day, even we are not victims. What I'm saying from what I deal with and see is when we as blacks start gaining too much power financially in a town, then the pressure begins. No disrespect, racism is real, brother. If you don't see that, you cannot speak for us. It's right in front of us. I fired off another response. I'm not gonna bore you with that. I'll give you basically the conclusion. Uh, well, maybe, I, no, I'm gonna read the whole thing. I asked the dude, examine, evaluate your engagement with me. Judge it. It was disrespectful, condescending, and totally uninformed. I don't know you. You don't know me. You had a reaction to something I said about LeBron. You engaged me in a disrespectful, condescending, and uninformed manner. Is this your habit? I don't know, but that's my perception. 
if this is your style of behavior with strangers, I would be resistant to your influence and it would have nothing to do with the color of your skin. Uninformed arrogance is going to provoke pushback. I've never denied the existence of racism. It's a byproduct of uninformed arrogance. All people are capable of that sin. He had a short rebuttal and we'll end it there. You're not helping giving the others a bad outlook on minorities. Hashtag Where I wanted to go with all of that is that I feel like LeBron James exists in this very special place for black people, for black athletes. He's worshiped, he's an idol. And anytime anybody criticizes LeBron James, it's like, how dare you? How dare you complain about anything? Don't you know LeBron is super rich? Don't you know LeBron has uh, spent money on a school in Akron? Don't you know LeBron is the most perfect athlete we have? You're a sellout or you're a racist if you criticize LeBron James. I just don't buy that. That's, that's idolatry. Everybody, including me, is worthy of pushback and criticism if they're going to um, make harsh generalizations, accusations about people, about America. If you step out there with an opinion, you're going to get pushback. And if your uh, perspective for someone like me, if your perspective doesn't come from a biblically sound place, you're going to get pushback from me and other people who try to approach the world from a biblical lens. It, it, it's, it's just going to happen. But we have been so immersed in this racial idolatry and this idolatry of whoever has the most money. Or, and it doesn't matter by what means. If, you, if you've made a bunch of money being a rapper or a drug dealer turned rapper like Jay-Z or, or any of these, uh, Birdman, whomever, you're worthy of being an idol and no one can question you. And if they do, you're a racist or you're a sellout. This is idolatry and idolatry is dangerous. There's been one perfect person walk this earth worthy of worship and, and being an idol. None of the rest of us are. And, and if you're going to step out there like LeBron James and make all these sweeping generalizations about how hard it is to be black in America and how much oppression you've faced, you're gonna get some pushback, particularly when it's, it's just not true. The reality, and that's what this show is about, like confronting and dealing with reality. And, and there's a reality and a truth that we are very reluctant to speak about as it relates to these athletes, particularly black ones. We love to pretend like the only privilege is white. There is tremendous athletic privilege in this society. Years ago, I experienced it with just a tiny amount of, of, of athletic ability. I got a scholarship to a mid-major Division I university because I could play football. Not because of what I did academically at Warren Central High School. I had athletic privilege because this society is set up to privilege athletes. 
when you show the kind of physical gifts at birth, not developed, when you show the kind of physical gifts that LeBron James started showing at age five, six, seven, eight years old, all that privilege comes raining down on you. And so there's this myth that LeBron James, oh God, from birth to 17 years old, he faced so much trauma, so many obstacles. That's not how it works. Trust me, by nine or 10 years old, people had identified LeBron James as an athletic freak talent that could play in the professional football league or NFL or NBA. And people started rushing to support him and make sure they got him to the finish line so they could all benefit financially from LeBron's success. He's lived a life of privilege from about nine or 10 years old. And I know that his mother you know, had her problems and he didn't live in the best neighborhoods all the time. Neither did I. Kids don't sit around and go, oh God, we're poor, we're living in the hood. I was poor. I was living in a, my senior year of high school. I was living in a one bedroom, 400 square foot apartment with my father but I still experienced privilege because I was in high school, a very good athlete and captained my football team to a state championship and a national ranking. And then I got a football scholarship on top of it, despite being an average student. That's what a tiny bit, if I'd had LeBron's athletic ability, my God, I wouldn't have to go to class. And based off of everything I hear from LeBron, he didn't. He pretends to read books. He doesn't. He can't put sentences together. Well, most of the stuff he says, the man compared himself to Emmett Till's mama when someone allegedly, without proof, spray painted a racial slur on the gate of his multi-million dollar mansion in Brentwood, California. And I'm supposed to pretend LeBron James is smart? He compared himself to Emmett Till's mama. Her 14-year-old boy was murdered brutally in 1955, and LeBron James is sitting up, yeah, when I got my gate spray painted, it made me think of Emmett Till's mama. And so I got to pretend that LeBron is smart. LeBron's a great basketball player. Celebrate him for that. All this other stuff is nonsense, and let's cut out the idolatry, and let's quit pretending like, I used to be a dumb jock. I'm not ashamed of that. I, I don't have animosity towards dumb jocks. I used to be one. My athletic talent ran out, my desire to be an athlete ran out, and I had to transition into a different profession and had to take life more seriously, and thank God I did, and it made me develop intellectually. If I had LeBron James talent, I wouldn't concentrate on intellectual development. I would concentrate on physical development because there's gonna be these tremendous financial rewards for him if he does. LeBron is playing the role that his physical gifts have placed him in in this society and what gets rewarded. My little short, chubby, old butt has to study and read and intellectually evolve to make it in this society. And that's what I've done. 
And, and we've gotten into a lot of trouble in this society because we keep, and particularly for black people, they keep placing tall, athletic people in front of us and saying, there's your idol, there's your hero, follow his lead. He's your intellectual leader. I reject that. So I, I'm going to, I may unpack some more, but I, I don't want to keep David waiting forever. And I want to give David an opportunity to chime in and uh, give an athlete's perspective on this. David wrote a comment <clears throat> in, on my reel on Instagram. How does this statement correlate to his intelligence? You can be wrong and a genius at the same time. Statements like that is what makes people disqualify much of your dynamic insight. Uh, so, David, I've ran it. The floor is yours. Give me your perspective <laughs> and we can have a discussion for as long as you want. Oh, sure. Well, listen, I'm not a LeBron apologist, and I would pretty much agree with 95% of your, your discourse that you just laid out. I think my statement is saying that, um, that you know, to be smart is, is actually different to be intelligent, right? To be smart is to be quick thinking. I have a son who's 1,300 SAT. He's intelligent, but he's not the most quick thinking. Um, so when I look at LeBron's statement, it's, it's a wrong statement. Right. And um, we can I can call it the wrong statement. It's not true. And it's probably not true in his experience. But his aim might be to be speaking for people who are in that situation right now. It, and, I, and I would say that I'm not going to call him unintelligent. Right. I'm going to call that a stupid statement. I, I think that's a I think that's a dumb statement. When I look at the discourse of his life as an athlete and all these other monikers or titles that he's accrued through his physical ability, I think there's a measure of intelligence, whether you have advisors, et cetera. There's a measure of having a game plan that's been executed. So what I, what I tend to do is just look at it as an isolated statement. And so I'm not a LeBron apologist like in, in relation to, I'm, I'm the one that's, that's come against sports idolatry in our country. But I also don't think sports idolatry is exclusive to African-Americans. I think sports idolatry is is accentuated through the through the through the prowess and the dominance that come through um, African American athletes because of some of the places that many of them hold in our favorite sports, right? So we don't care enough about soccer in America. We don't care enough about swimming in America for them to take those seats. So I mean, like for me, I, 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 you saw my statement. I'm not calling LeBron James a, a genius either. I don't think that he's a genius. I think that. Um, if, if we're going to call Stephen Hawkins a genius, we know that he was wrong, right? I mean, like he was an intellectual genius. So you can be wrong. You can make dumb statements and false conclusions primarily because of the things that we agree on. Sin is defiled your way of thinking. And I think that's the corrupt nature of fallen man. And I don't need to derail all, some of the positive things that maybe LeBron may represent in that in that. To me, that's just not the statement that I would lean in on to say that he's 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 not smart. Well, you know, I, I think we can conclude that in light of his sinful thinking. And, but there's other things that he has done that I would conclude that are pretty intelligent because we've seen other people in those places jack up those opportunities. So, you know, like I don't want to paint myself as the apologist, but I do enjoy the dialogue and the discourse around the, 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 necess the necessity and the demand to put things where they belong. But I also feel like at the end of the day, this, this whole idea of athletes, um, their intelligence level, what are we basing that on? Like, what, who, how intelligent is any 20-year-old? 
How intelligent is any 22-year-old? Right. So we're going to say that every person who's an athlete at 22 years old can't make an intelligent statement or do intelligent things. No, they, they have a whole lot less experience, but they have a whole lot of athletic um, opportunity for them to gain maybe more insight, depending on what their appetites and interests are as they're emerging as athletes. So I lived that experience. I've never had a million dollars in my bank account. I've been a thousand there before, but I've also been dumb. I made poor decisions. And I was still fairly intelligent, but sin was what corrupted my thinking, not as much as, hey, I'm just a dumb jock. And I think that's that's the narrative that when you when we kind of just like he made the broad brush of victimization that he's not really living. We're also making some broad strokes in relation to maybe how we look at some athletes. And I think that's kind of like what I'm maybe my perspective is in relation to some of these conversations, but I think we got to have them. We have, we have to break the, the systems of, of retarded thinking and, and have these conversations about all kinds of people. David, I think you make some good points, but, but where one area where I'm focused on that we might disagree a bit is I look at the data in the that points to the family structure of young black kids has been totally decimated that 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 fathers aren't in the homes discipling young men and so and i'm a product of divorce my, my parents divorced my father stayed heavily involved in me and my brother's life i live with my father at later points in my life uh, after my parents divorced. But what I am aware of is that as a culture and as a whole, these basketball players, these rappers, the movie stars seem to have much more influence over young black boys who are growing up in a fatherless culture than a young white kid who has a father at home. And so I think why they don't have, they have an idolatry problem, maybe, because there's all different forms of idolatry. I have, I have an idolatrous relationship with food. I, I talk about it all the time on this show. It, it, you can mm -hmm. have idolatrous relationships with a, any number of things. You can place that importance above right. God. That's what idolatry is. And, and so that's what I look at when, because I could, post a video about criticizing Jesus. And I think most athletes would just ignore it and, and would have virtually nothing. You would be different. I think you would be, you'd probably unfollow me immediately and maybe block me or whatever and be like, that dude's a demon. No doubt. But, but I think many guys would have no problem. But if I open my mouth to criticize LeBron James, people get hyper offensive and rush in to defend whatever it is he said or did. And much of what LeBron says and does, because he's so, he's so far distanced from any biblical wisdom. Because I, I really, anybody that knows me knows, I tell anybody, I'd rather have biblical wisdom than book sense. Far, I'd rather have a, mm -hmm. be able to quote scripture than say, I got a 1400 on the SAT. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and I really mean that. I grew up around working class people. I, I don't like elites. 
I don't like the, the particularly the educated elites that think they're smarter than everybody else. I believe in common sense and biblical sense. But LeBron doesn't have that. And much of what he suggests, that, that whole video, why it frustrates me. I'm a Christian. My identity is not a victim. It's, I'm a victor because of my relationship with Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made and my acceptance of him as my Lord and Savior. I'm a victor. And so when I see someone like LeBron, who there millions of social media followers, kids are being told, oh, my God, he got the bag and he's the greatest. And, and he's sitting there telling them, oh, God, it's so hard here. You're going to be so oppressed. And, and, and I just don't buy it. It's the wrong mindset. We're killing kids mentally. And that's even worse than a physical death. And that's why I have a strong reaction. I enjoy LeBron as a basketball player. I celebrate him as a basketball player. As an intellectual, I think he's very dangerous. And I think he has handlers that enjoy him being very dangerous Mm -hmm. and enjoy him pretending to be some kind of thought leader. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't have much to say there. I, I, I'm a thousand percent in agreement. I think the biggest challenge in, in most young people is that everybody's looking to identify with someone, somebody that fits their narrative of success. And sadly, because of the place that um, African-American athletes and the places, the thrones that they occupy in the hearts. And it's not just obviously children um, has the, the maybe a little bit more damaging effects in shaping their their, their, their ideas about what success is and what greatness is. But I think humans have this appetite for gold, glory, and they're all temptations, gold, glory, and girls. And the athletic throne allows you to have all of them without true qualifications of character and stability, um, athletes, entertainers, et cetera. But again, I think we're African-Americans, and I, and I kind of call them, I think that different nationalities probably have some different graces. I think that um, even the, you know, the African-American, I'm talking about the core African-American, whether it's, you know, you look at some of the, the elite abilities of an African-American, phys- it's, it's a lot of physical traits. Um, if you, and this is, these, are, these are very generalizations. These are hard, but honest generalizations. Um, but you look at us as administrators, we're not the best dynamic administrators. It doesn't mean that you can't have a couple here and there that are great administrators, and I'm talking about government leaders, where you see us in positions of influence and power in cities, you don't, you don't see great fruit. And that's historically. So I think that when I look at God and his ability to create people, different tribes, nations, and tongues, I think that we have some different, maybe national graces. And I think that's where African-Americans flourish. We flourish in some spaces that, you know, that, that, that give us that affluence and attention, but we're not whole. I think the place where I have compassion for our people is the fact that we're fragmented and that some of that is like the generation, but we're not victims. Every opportunity exists for us in this today's world, culture and society, and especially even more so in America. I think what's unique about the American narrative in relation to because racism is just a derivative of oppression and God hates oppression. So when you look at people focus on the racism, but. That's America's narrative, right? If you look at, if you look at um, African countries, you have black people destroying black people because those who are in power fear seceding that power. And I think that's the bigger issue in relation to America. Our narrative is, has a colored narrative to it, 
but it is also one of the greatest social experiments and victories in all humanity, the place where the oppressor and the oppressed now became neighbors. And so when I look at, you know, the African-American paradigm through the years, and this is something I've, you know, kind of read through, mulled on, have great, you know, great conversations around. It's one of the greatest victories, but we are still a people, I think, internally that are marred and probably haven't had some kind of, I'm not, I'm not reparations. I'm not, I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that internally that uh, African-Americans have, have a, a sense of, um, oh, I'm talking about as a people, not as individuals, because overcoming in your mind is what gives you the ab- ability to know who you are. But when you have trauma from within, trauma within your generations, trauma with, it's not as easy as pick it up. And I think that's kind of the, the compassion side of it where, you know what, we have to dagger, we have to send her the dagger of truth to our people so that we're not, you know, cauterized and, and, and capsized by these, these victim mentalities and narratives that are, that are plaguing us. But at the end of the day, there's something where there's something true to, to the, to the oppressed. Meaning like, I think amongst all people groups, all nations and nationalities, there's been less opportunities. We're the last of the barrel and getting up to speed in relation to what opportunities exist. And that's because our, our and, and I'm not talking about, we don't even have a language, right? The African-American is different than the, the Haitian who, who came in in the last 40 years. They have, they got little Haiti in Miami. They got, they got Chinatown in New York City. So they can galvanize around being immigrants. They can galvanize around their language. So it does make a different experience that African-Americans are, I'm only speaking for that group of people who were once had stable families, church, church families, and they deviated from the truth. They deviated from the truth because there was an imperfect expression of the truth. And um, I think that's what our, where our peril is. And yeah, but at the end of the day, people choose their own idols and they worship them. And there's nothing I can do to stop people. I can be a, a watchman and, and proclaim the truth just as you're doing, Jason. But we, we you know, it's gonna be difficult to stop people from worshiping Taylor Swift too. So it's, it's challenging, but it's, it's necessary. So there's a few things you said that I, I want to respond to. Uh, I, racism is a derivative of oppression. I, I somewhat disagree. I think racism is a derivative of unfairness slash sin. Unfairness and sin entered the world in the garden. And... and it's just, and so unfairness takes all different kinds of shapes and forms. Trust me, it's very unfair for tribes in Africa to capture their own people, enslave them, and then sell them to someone. That, that's just unfairness. It's not racism, it's just, they didn't do it because they were black, they did it because they're unfair. And so when the people come over and buy them, I don't think it was because of racism. It's just another form of unfairness. Oh, these people are capturing and selling off their own people. I'll go benefit from that, buy them, and participate in that form of unfairness. Sin, basically. The, the other thing uh, you said that you mentioned that perhaps we don't have, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, perhaps we don't have the skill set to be administrators. And, and I, I disagree with that. And it ties into, at one point you said, you don't know the truth. And I, I think you do know, or you don't know the solution, you said. 
I think you do know the solution. Uh, you just misspoke there because the solution is obedience to God. It will solve all of this. Yeah. Every our, our lack yeah. of skill as administrators, our lack of performance academically, our our decimated families, all of that gets corrected if you're just obedient. If you embrace the concepts, the <laughs> principles, the family structure, the natural order, male leadership, uh, men loving their yeah. wives as Jesus loved the church. Uh, the woman submitting to her husband. All, if, if we embrace those concepts, mm -hmm. all the the administrators, the the whole coaching problem in the NFL, uh, SAT scores go up, crime goes down, illegitimate kids goes down. It's sure. it, it, the and so that's what I get frustrated because I think the solution is very simple to explain. And, and it it's is. very available. You, 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 don't, you don't have to. The Bible doesn't cost much. And you can borrow what I got like four or five. Well, maybe I got like six or seven now. I'll lend any of them out. Uh, it, 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 the solution, you, you don't even need a Bible. You can just go to the Internet. It's all on the Internet. Yeah. You got Wi-Fi. The solution is out there for you to get it. It's not. Trust me, LeBron James Instagram is not a solution. He's not offering any on Instagram, on Twitter, anywhere. The solution's right there in the no. Bible. And, and I, I, you know that without, I know you know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we're talking about a little bit of semantics here, but sin is at the root of every social issue. And I've already said this, you know, I've learned this and said this through the years that we don't have social issues, we have sin issues. And our, that's our biggest, um, you know, everything is about words and changing the narrative even in relation to politics and laws. Well, you know, every 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 raging war politically is a war against the Christ. And I think that's what our, our unwillingness to recognize that is is a part of the, the, the I guess you could say the ill and our inability to get to real solutions um, as a people. And I know that obviously the conservative voice values some of those things, but there's some things that we, we error on as well. I mean, like if we can't speak the truth about what's, what's not working, then, then I lose credit. I'm trying to find every way to win. That's, I'm, a, I'm a winner in my mind. So Jesus is the way. But if I never acknowledge someone's pain, hurt, or experience to some extent in a way that it's real, and I'm not saying like, hey, racism, I, my, my language is oppression. Oppression is a form of sin. When a person in power oppresses people, it's a marginalization that God hates. He already says he hates the oppressor. So our, the national narrative... America is that because of business, the commerce of slavery was the form of oppression that subjugated the African, the African-American male that b basically built. Now we're free, but we're maimed as well. And I think that's that's the whole part. Even though you're free, you have to be free in your mind. Free Let me in your ask soul. you this thing. And Jesus Christ is the only one that could actually do that for us. Let me ask you this. And I've been I've been saying this maybe 40 years, when I was just a little kid. Agree, slavery, Jim Crow, oppression, injured us. Who has to do the rehab? You, you played football. If uh, Ray Lewis hit you and broke your arm, he hit you after the whistle had blown. It's an illegal hit. He breaks your arm. 
Does Ray Lewis need to come over to New York and do the rehab so you can come back and play? Or does David Tyree have to do the rehab? He can be upset. He can ask, uh, you know, hey, y'all should do something. That was unfair what Ray Lewis did. But if David Tyree doesn't mm-hmm. hit the gym, he's not coming back and playing. And that, that's been, we can sit around and complain about, hey, you know, 150 years ago they did this, and 70 years ago they did that, and 40 years ago they did this. And I've had unfair things happen to me, things that may go. be a byproduct of race. I have to do the rehab. I'm not I'm not expecting the racist person that harmed me to rehabilitate me. That's a joke. No, I I don't think it's I think there's two things that can happen in our narrative. When someone let's just say someone violates you. I'm talking about a real violation and I'm not even talking about 30, 50 years and 100 years ago. I'm talking about uh, someone violates you in a way where the 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 the. I think that in relation to real repentance, and this is this is this is the challenge that we have. When you become somebody's neighbor, if you a neighbor and you violate me, you never make that right. Of course, I'm I'm not just hurt, but I'm embittered. Um, I'm angered. Now, there's all these different realities that I'm experiencing because of that hurt. So, if you never come and acknowledge that you've hurt, I'm not talking about today. I'm not talking. I'm not saying the the the, the Caucasian man of today needs to go bow down. I've seen some dumb things that have been on social media. And I, so I think that number one, we can't, we can't crush the idea that evil things are still happening that fit this context. They still fit this context. So what it does, it turns the little fire into a big forest fire that's, that's, that, that accelerates and continues to feed the victim mentality. So all I'm saying, I'm, but I have to react. So to answer your question, Jason, I still have to get whole I still have to believe, like, but I think that as we've stated, Jesus, no, like it says, men don't come to light for fear that their evil deeds will be exposed. The only thing that will stop making me a hypocrite is me understanding that I, I actually am guilty myself. I mean, so it's not until I actually turn inwardly and recognize that I'm a violator where I can actually get out of the whole mentality of, of, of freeing others who, who have basically been sinners themselves. Right. So hypocrisy goes across the board, just like racism can go across the board. Oppression can go across the board. But we can't sit up here and marginalize to some extent, I think. And I'm not like one of these dudes. I don't have any kind of narratives around. I'm not feeding the forest fire of, 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 of victimization through racism. But is it a real experience that some people encounter? Yes. Can 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 somebody who's privileged encounter? Yeah, because it's evil in the world. There's stupidity in the world. There's foolish human beings in the world. But ultimately, me being whole allows me to overcome. Right. So I overcome through faith in the son of God. I can forgive my oppressor and all these other things that I can do by the power of the Holy Spirit that the the average dude walking down the street who's inflamed and raged and has a narrative. And that's what Satan will do. Satan will he will he will craft the life in a way to fit your narrative to keep you in prison. So there's also some spiritual realities that exist that we kind of overlooking and just making it sound like it's just so easy for the individual. Hey man, I gotta, I gotta go help my brother in a way where I can aid his, his process to some extent. David, uh, I want to talk a little bit about yourself in terms of you started at the beginning of this said you gave your life to Christ 18 years ago. 
Could you walk us through yes. your journey of faith and, and what impact it has had on you? When did you turn your life over? Could you walk us through that? Uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, again, you did mention I'm from New Jersey, divorced home. Uh, my father's a dynamic human, but he wasn't in his home, so the loss of presence. Um, I think alcohol came to my life around 14, 15, marijuana 15. So, um, you know, every week by junior year, I'm drinking a 40, smoking a blunt, half a pint of Jack Daniels to the head. But football was my, my North Star. That was my first love, kind of. But I had the typical athlete vices. Um, took my, my, my skills and, you know, got that athletic scholarship, that opportunity and all the somewhat privilege that comes along with it. But, you know, privilege, even if it's true in experience, it's also relative. So um, we did we did OK. I mean, like East Orange is a tough urban neighborhood. Montclair is a budding suburb, but it gave me opportunity. And that's where football flourished. And honestly, when I got drafted, I got drafted as a special teams player to the New York Giants. I'm known for this helmet catch, but. I was just looking for an opportunity because I had a son out of wedlock at 21 years old. That was the first time I actually thought about the NFL. And um, my, my, my coming to faith was I looked at how I even got drafted in the sixth round by the Giants, who I actually didn't even like. I grew up in the 80s as a 49ers fan. But, you know, somebody writes you a check, you start feeling different. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, what, what, what basically happened, I started entertaining, you know, man, like what, what an amazing opportunity this is. And I remember – somebody was fired up and this never happens in a NFL chapel setting. It's usually like you can make a message with, with Jesus and scriptures. And um, so I get real bored with that, but um, somebody really challenged people to come to faith. And I knew that this idea of God, I think everybody's had that burning in the seat sensation where you feel like God is talking to you and calling you. But I wanted everything that came along with the NFL, the, the glory, because I was never a celebrated player. I wanted my throne. And, and, I, and so even though I made this confession, it says confess with your heart, believe with, you know, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Well, the heart is deceitful, so who can know it? And nothing, nothing really changed in my life, even though I kind of got introduced to Christianity in my rookie year. And the, the short story was, um, after about $10,000 in fines my rookie year, I killed it on the field, got NFL Special Teams Rookie of the Year and a few other accolades. But um, I, was, I was just a reckless young man at 24 years old. Got arrested with a pound of purple haze, which is marijuana. I was smoking the best stuff. I figured, I'm, how am I get my money back? I was missed to keep it real. So I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck. I got the best bud. Just get a couple of my homies out here. And we just, but sin is what makes you stupid. So I made dumb decisions. I ended up getting, getting uh, pulled over with that pound of marijuana for Lee. And for the first time, I really cried out to God in sincerity. I said, God, all I know is I need you. If you allow me to keep my job, I'd appreciate that too. Um, Fast track this testimony is that basically I wish the prison doors open, but I kind of had to deal with all of my failures in that moment. I did find out what, that my now wife, um, but we were estranged and, and, and kind of raising our, our son together. Um, she was pregnant again. And basically I knew I needed to change, but I just didn't imagine that Jesus would radically transform my life. And my aunt invited me to church. I sat there and there was a woman singing, singing to God and praising worship. And I had this narrative go through my head. I said, I'm 24 years old, NFL special teams rookie of the year, Giants rookie of the year. But this woman has all the joy. Any dude in here want to change places with me, but I don't have the joy this woman has. Basically, I, I crushed. I was in a fetal position. My life was forever changed. I left that church. I never drank again. I never smoked again. I was married three months later. I was radically transformed by the power of God. I was not raised religious, 
So I didn't have this religious narrative in my pursuit. So I was very amazed at the lukewarm experience in the, in the Christian church and community. So I, I've been, I have never had a backslidden experience in my 18 years. I found Jesus to be everything that he proclaims himself to be and that the scriptures tell, tell us about him. So he's true in my experience as well as my witness. And I've been on fire for God every, every since for 18 years. So the helmet catch is just one of those God moments that I wasn't going to allow myself to be an idol in the hearts of others, which is why I was never in a rush to take any places of throne and influence. So I'm grateful. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. Grateful for this fearless platform. Happy to uh, be of service in any space so we can continue to bring liberty and sobriety and set the captive free. David, I had no idea about the marijuana bust. I, I, I oh. did not. And I'm sure it was probably written and talked about at the time, but I had totally forgotten it. The, the helmet catch o- overshadows everything. I didn't, I didn't know you went through uh, that early struggle. What an amazing story. And, and thank you for, for, for sharing that. It's, it's yeah. man. Yeah, I, I had been in bondage, man. I was a functional alcoholic. You know, I blacked out. I drank the blackout. Um, you know, obviously it didn't affect my performance as an athlete at the rate where it destroyed opportunity. And I think that's many broken people, just just broken and in need of a savior. And I think, you know, God's love and compassion, you know, he, he, he saves us. There's no, the, 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 the mystery of God's love is that there's no reason why God chooses to love us is that we're, we're <laughs> and I think that is going to be necessary for the for the courageous lions. And um, yeah, no, years ago, I kind of said my piece. I think it was 2010 about same-sex marriage because there was no other athlete to speak out against same-sex marriage in 2010 when they were legalizing New York. So I, I got the pitchfork community before it was, you know, it was cancel culture, but, it, you know, I wasn't working for the NFL. I wasn't in any spaces, but I, I ate those places because I don't consider my reputation, my life and my identity is in Christ. And I'll, I'll continue to serve him with great passion. And I'm just looking to, well, I've been of service. <laughs> I'm all about the Great Commission. I'm about making disciples and, and doing the work that Christ led us to do. So just taking these media outlets and trying to retell my story over the last 15 years because God is still moving in the earth. I'm so glad we finally connected. Uh, you know, and I know this is probably too late, but we got our first roll call event this Saturday here in Nashville. It's a men's summit we're doing. Uh, that's why I got all this gear uh, sitting out here. We got these gift baskets for the people that are coming in on Friday night to our cookout. We got a blanket for them. Put me on screen take, take, uh, so they can see this stuff. I we love got a blanket for them. That's awesome. We got a tumbler. We got uh, th- these, what are these called? The uh, uh, Yeti I glasses, it. I think, or cups or whatever. Uh, anyway, we got stuff we're giving out to our special guest on. Uh, Friday night, the cookout, and then Saturday morning breakfast. Then we got an all-day event. And so we're going to be doing this all over the country. And so our next one, I'm going to invite you. Uh, We've already got a pretty strong commitment from Tony Dungy uh, to participate in our next one. Uh, So hopefully you can be a part of that. And and we certainly will want you back on the show. Let me ask you that this, this has nothing to do with anything we've, we, we've been talking about. I just want to get someone sure. else's opinion. You're from the New Jersey, New York area. So I would imagine 
you probably at some point had an appreciation for rap music, correct? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, think, I love right, music. I, I love music. And so I, I sometimes have custom music made uh, for the show. And I'm about to debut our newest custom song. It's our first rap song we've had made uh, for this show. And I want to get your honest review. We can take I can take it. We can take it. Uh, but it's it, the song is called Let Them Know. And it's about standing, letting people know who you stand with. Uh, oh, yeah. Bryson Gray is on it. One of my old college teammates, a guy named Lim Jones is on it. A uh, friend of mine from KC, he actually engineered, put it together. He raps on it. Uh, Gene, he calls himself Below. Uh, well-known rapper, independent rapper named Cut Calhoun ends it out. It's about four minutes. We'll listen to this song and then I'm gonna let you go, but I, I want your review in real time. Let's play Let Them Know. Okay. All right. up, let's ride. No backing down and play around, let's roll. Frontline, it's go time. No time, no waste, boys, time to let them know. So here we go, here we go. No backing down and play around, let's roll. So here we go, here we go. No time, no waste, boys, time to let them know. Let them know, flow cold, hop on beats like an Eskimo, frozen. No pun intended, but it's time to let it go. Give it all to God, follow him and watch the blessings grow. God, soldier, Satan, ask for war and I accept the smoke, fearless. Bold as a lion, but I ain't with the pride. LGBT brainwash your kids, I'm not a bit surprised. Satan, the author of confusion, but I know it's just lies. You can't watch TV without seeing these men kissing guys. Yeah. But we gotta let them know the truth. Because who else gonna stand up and give the gospel to the youth? People gonna be offended, man. After 24 is the proof, it's time to flip tables, tell these demons I won't call a truce. It ain't a secret to keep it high okay. and seek, sweep it under the rug. It's was, still no love in the field of blood, flash flood, warning required, Holy Spirit desired, tongue of fire, God breathed, inspired, writer to be, blameless in thought, word and deed, Father please, rapture me, then proceed to bring Babylon to his knees, lost naive, heathens believe, Adam and Steve could conceive without Eve, pregnancy claim. Spiritual birth pain under the purple rain regime. Child pedophile crime ring. Wicked I've seen. Contradict the king of the Jews. Conflicted views of the good news. Quote spoke. Jehovah told no and hope to show. My rainbow, no joke alone. Go. Let them know. Saddle up, let's ride. No backing down and play around, let's roll. Front line, it's go time. Wait, no time, no wait. the last verse is off the chart. It's, the whole thing is great. Okay. But the last verse is completely off the chart. So here we go, here we go. First, first, your first boy was fine. Second one was nice. Let's see what we got. Lately I've been quiet, listening, slow to speak. Praying hands and vision and serpents underneath. Bit my tongue in cheek, can't talk out the side of my neck. A lot going on. Lord, what should I say next? Express my freedom through words, no matter the consequences. Plead the fifth, then hide behind man's amendments. Hmm, got me thinking, what would Jesus do? Chastise the room, then save a prostitute. Call it how I see it, hoping to save a couple. I be dare wrong to tell you that we not in trouble. Serpent still slither. 
children sliding through agendas. Same tactics to leave the family dismembered. Father disfigured, reputation injured. Gotta patch up the wounded, it's time to reassemble. Iron sharpens iron, soldiers grab your swords. Fearless, me and mine, we gon' serve the Set Lord. Settle up, let's ride. No back here comes the last verse, off the chart. I love the third verse, but here comes the last verse, off the chart. No time to waste, boys, time to let them know. God put the mail in his presence, but the compliment is essence. He was tasked with the necessary measures to work and provide, multiply, and have dominion. What to eat and not to eat, and be fruitful to the finish. Then he gave him a woman to love, honor, and cherish, to sanctify and protect and provide for him in marriage with Christ under God and the man under Christ, with the woman under man. As the roles to abide by That was all out of order The men following women Are doing time in a prison Abandon the blessing Given the children Without repentance Or victims of father sinners So generational curses Continue to plague existence Nah, we need our men Back in the presence of God To turn away from all our Wicked ways and reverence God Gay men and adulterers Murderers, pedophilic Twisted and evil spirits That's taking over our children I'm here to speak against it In the name of Yeshua And promote kingdom Living with the Lord As our Ruler in the world, but not of it. I accept persecution, standing firm in the faith. I can say, let them use that. I love it. Let's ride. No backing down and play around. Let's roll. There you go. Some good heat. Some good heat. Yeah. Number one, yeah. Number one and number four. It's all, it's all, it's all heat. Number one, B was good. B was solid. Uh, first one and the last one had, had, had the greatest. Yeah, I kind of like the flow of the first one, but all heat. Oh, he, you, you're in good shape. You, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're in good shape. Thank, we will circle yeah, back to good. you. Awesome job. Let's do it. Be well. Thank you so much. All right, that was Bryson Gray off top, my boy Lim Jones, my boy Gene below, then Cut Calhoun, crushing it at the end. I, I, anyway, I love that song. And I love this song. This is tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you on Friday with the special cookout, live cookout, uh, right here, 6 o'clock uh, tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seeds when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want.